Well, hey, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Frontline Community Church's weekly podcast. We're a church based in Ramstein, Germany, and we have a simple mission, and that's to love God, to love others, and to help others love God. Now, we do this by being real, relational, and relevant. Now, as you listen to our podcast today, we hope that you're blessed and that your journey with Jesus Christ becomes stronger than ever. God bless you. Amen. Give my hand, you guys. Excellent. Thank you, Pastor Chris. And good morning. Almost Happy New Year, but not yet, not yet, not quite yet. My name is John Maruse. I'm the lead pastor here, and we're going to jump into an exciting message today, but I got to tell you about a new series that we're starting next week, and I want you to write this down. I want you to get excited. I believe you can save your seat for next week right now. You want to do that right now. Do it before I preach, though. Can't do it while I'm preaching. I'm preaching on the cell phone, okay? I'm just giving you a heads up. But uh, I'm very excited about this new series because it's going to do a lot. It's going to do a lot in our homes. It's going to do a lot in our lives. And we're calling it Habits. Habits. How many of you guys know that COVID has created some new habits in our lives? Some kind of weird ones, some not so good. And what we want to do going into a new year is reestablish habits so we put ourselves before God so he can speak to us, heal us, and grow us. And so we are building right now a uh, drop-down on our website called Habits, and we're going to have all kinds of resources. We got Habits for the Family. These are all books, great books by great authors. Habits for the Family, Habits for Men, uh, Disciplines for Men, Disciplines for Women, And uh, we got a book that my wife and I are reading. I think we're going to put that on there because it's having a substantial impact on our marriage right now in a very great way. But it's going to be about a six or eight week series. And each week we're going to talk about re-implementing a new spiritual discipline or spiritual habit because that is the way in which the Holy Spirit works. So follow us on that. If you can't get a seat, make sure you listen to the sermons but you, you guys got the inside. You can go online right now and set yourself a seat. Speaking of those who don't have a seat, I want to welcome our Frontline Online family and our friends. I know many friends and family watch in the state. So welcome. Welcome. We hope you are well. We hope you had a great Christmas. And if you would, guys, we're going to dive right into this. Go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. I love this message. We had a great time at 9 o'clock uh, preaching this message Um, We just had a great Christmas uh, series and service. We actually had six Christmas services. And sometimes I wonder, what do we do after Christmas, you know? What do we do after Christmas? Well, there's this great story, this great narrative in Luke chapter 2, right after the Christmas story. And it actually unfolds a problem that happens to Mary. And it's the same problem you're going to run into and I'm going to run into right after Christmas. And the beauty of the story is it actually tells us what to do about the problem. And it's so powerful, it's going to push you into the new year. And so as Anna uh, told us between songs 
Our theme today, going into a new year, is bringing forward and leaving behind. How many of you guys are ready to leave some stuff behind in 2020? Raise your hand. Yeah, give me a woo. You can do that. The regs say nothing about that. I checked. Well, give me an emoji thumb up or thumb down. I don't know if you're ready to leave some stuff behind. But I was praying for you and thinking about this. And we can't leave it all behind because there was stuff we learned. And we saw that some of that stuff we learned greatly from. But I want to I do something with us as a church family. Um, Frontline, I, I became the lead pastor of Frontline in 2019. That feels like 15 years ago, but nonetheless, it was a while back. You guys remember that. Some of you were here. And uh, Gary Preston, who we owe so much to, he may be watching right now. Pastor Gary, who was the pastor here, he was talking to me. I was in the belly of the beast at the time. I hadn't moved here. I was in California. And, uh, and he said, we do themes each year. What do you think the theme for 2019 is going to be? I said, I don't know. I don't know, Gary. He goes, let's pray about it. We started praying about it. He said, I think it's the year of the harvest. I think something wild is coming to Frontline. And if you were here in 19, or some of you guys who PCS'd, something wild came. A harvest of, of precious souls came to us. The church exploded. It was a very powerful year for the glory of God. And so 2020 hit, and people have been asking me, what was the theme of 2020? And I said, it's the, it's the year of the mask. How's that? And what we're going to do after COVID regulations end is we're going to have a good old-fashioned mask burning in the parking lot. How's that? Yeah? <laughs> I'm talking our kids, our teenagers. We're just going to burn. And human beings thrive in rhythms. We're rhythmic creatures. We need, we need those things. And you who are in the military, who are here, which is most of you, you know that those changes are hard at times because we are made for rhythms. God made us for those rhythms. And so because 20 threw us around so much, I want to relook at recreating some rhythms, not only today, but for the next six or eight weeks in this new series. And really what I want to do in my own life, and I hope I get an amen if God's speaking to you as well, is I want to leave behind the frantic life from 2020. And what I want to bring forth into 21 is a supernatural walk with God. I want to, I want to taste and see again. And it's been very hard even in my own life as a pastor to feel the Lord the way I was feeling him in 2019. I felt him in everything, guys. The food I ate, the walks I walked, and you guys. And it was such a supernatural experience. And, and I want to invite you into that experience with us in 21. But what happens when you experience God at that level is that you don't feel like you need anything else that this world offers. It's, just, it's like just you and God and the people of God. It's, it's an amazing experience to, to be soaked in God. And I'm so hungry to lead us in that again. But we got to leave some stuff behind if we're going to walk in to these deep waters with our gods. 
And I believe with all my heart, and, and maybe you don't, that's okay. This isn't a prophetic word here. But I believe that COVID is going to release its grip in 2021. You know, these viruses just can't last forever. And I feel like we're making some progress. But here's, here's what I want to caution you about. I believe that when COVID releases its grip in 2021, we're going to be flooded with life again. I mean, we're going to feel all the distractions come back. I mean, all the things that we forgot we used to do, they're all going to come back upon us as soon as these regulations expire. And what's interesting, you guys, is that life may move even quicker than ever because we're going to be catching up on so many things. Amen. Some of you guys are going to PCS in 12 months and you're going to have to see those 16 countries in Europe and you're going to have to hustle. So I think what's going to happen, you guys, and again, this isn't prophetic or anything, but I think when this virus expires, we're also hungry just to, to live life again. We're going to explode back. We're going to be buying shoes we don't need and taking trips. We've, we've seen these places. But I think we need to be so careful because the rush of life can come upon us so quickly that we can lose this focus of God again. So I want to leave the frantic life in 2020. And I want to reform my life and my habits in 21 around my experience with my God. And I believe COVID has changed the way we live more than, more than one way and maybe even ways that we don't think. Um, Pre-COVID, I remember I was preaching this sermon on the cell phone and the addiction of the cell phone. It's a weird sermon. And I'm coming from the West Coast, so like, this is just like a part of our life, you know, technology. And, and, uh, and I was preaching, like, be careful with the cell phone because we're creating these, these habits with the smartphone where we're so plugged in. We're struggling to be plugged into God. Amen? As you watch on Facebook. <laughs> Keep watching. Get off of Facebook after the sermon. But if you think about it, if you think about what COVID has done, because our only window to the world right now is through our smartphones. It's like where we're picking up information and trying to stay ahead of this thing and trying to figure out what's going on in our world. But what's so weird is if, if the cell phone wasn't a problem before, cell phone activity has raised 70% in the last 12 months. And it's not like when COVID ends, we're all just going to go back to using it normally. It's an addictive behavior. And so this is what I mean by patterns from 2020. We can't bring those patterns in, you guys, because we have got to give time to our God. Amen? Amen. It's habit-forming stuff. And I was even thinking about what happens to us when, and we're doing our best. I'm, I'm not trying to beat up on us. But as we're constantly trying to figure out what's going on in the world through our smartphones, I want you to understand something, guys, that exposure to traumatic events can traumatize us. And it has increased substantially because our window into the world is media. And you know, your soul, if you think about years ago before the cell phone, I don't remember those days, but if you think about it, all you knew was well, like, what was going to happen in your village. Like, you know, the Joneses have a flat tire. I don't know. But then email hit and you, you started hearing about what was going on with your family. Well, right now with the, with the cell phone, we are carrying the weight of the world because we are attached to every news media outlet in the world. And, and it really has been eating at us, guys. And this is not a sermon on cell phones. It's a sermon on rhythms. 
We have got to create space for God. And if we don't start relooking at the habits and rhythms that we picked up from COVID, guys, we're going to move it right into 2021. And I want God. We are still frantic, even though we're locked down. I, I thought my frantic life in 2019 had to do with all the movement in my life, all the busyness in my life. But what I found out is with a lockdown and a shutdown, I've been just as mentally frantic. How many of you have found that out? Because you don't need movement to wear you out. You don't need movement to gain bad habits. You don't need movement to be anxious. All you need is a mind full of the wrong, wrong things. And I was thinking to myself, and I wrote this down, and I got a big groan, a sigh of joy, but a sigh of ache when I said this at the nine o'clock. What would my life be like if God touched my heart as frequently as I touched my phone? And I had this brother, he's a good friend of mine, family uh, that's very close to me, but he said to me, that touched my heart when you said that, because I've realized during COVID, I just do this all day. And what I want to do is break that habit going into the new year. And I just want to do this all day. I just want to feel my God all day. I want to feel his love all day. I want to hear his voice all day. And so this sermon is about shepherding you and reshaping, beginning the journey of reshaping these habits and creating space for God in a frantic, frantic world. Who are we becoming? You see, how we spend our time is how we spend our lives. And what we need to do is focus on our souls like never before. We are more than sex. We are more than internet. We are more than clothes. We are more than work. We are soul. And we must take care of the soul. And so I want to encourage us as a family to leave some distractions behind and move forward with a new focus on Christ. Amen? So I'm going to give you one point. I'm going to get you fired up here. Masks don't make us tame, okay? The Spirit's about to move. I got mine in my back pocket. It's staying there while I preach. And I want to give you one point today. And I love this point. This is my sole focus right now. Throw it up here for us. Take a picture of this or write this down. I want you to make a notebook over the next eight weeks on new habits. And this is the first one. We haven't even started the series, but I'm so excited. This is my focus right now. We need to guard our time in the presence of Christ in 2021. And the reasons I say that we got to guard our time, Facebook, is because people will gladly schedule your life for you. They will gladly pull at your life for you. But we've got to build in habits that say, you're not going to get to us when we're with our God. And so I'm going to show you a delightful story about a family that got caught up in the frenzy of the world. They got caught up in the anxiety of what was going on in the world, and they just forgot Christ. But it's a beautiful story because it's really a story about how they found him again. Luke chapter 2. And we got to start back at the Christmas story just for a moment. I hope you don't mind. But I, I, you know what I did? Um, I'm so excited right now to move forward in the world. That, and and I, hope, I hope someone else did this because if no one else did this, the Maroos family has big problems. So I'm hoping someone else has problems like ours. We took down all of our Christmas stuff like at the stroke of midnight. Did you guys do that? You're still, your game still, you're... Oh, man, see, I'm just so, I'm so ready to get this stuff done. I'm so ready for new goals. I don't think it did a single thing, but just caused more work yesterday. But my house is ready for the new year. Here I go. 
But let's go back to Christmas for just a moment. YouTube, you listening? Just a moment now. And I want us to remember, as we spoke about for six services last week, when Mary and Joseph first experienced the presence of Christ. If you're here and you're a Jesus follower, do you remember when you first got saved? Wasn't that the coolest time in the world? I feel like, that, I, feel like I was better back then because all I knew is that I wasn't going to hell and God loved me. And I was just running around telling everybody about Jesus. You remember those days? And now like I'm a theologian. I'm all messed up now, you see. But I want to go back just for a sec. And I want to see Mary and Joseph when they first experienced the Son of God in that manger. There was nothing greater in Mary's life than just her and Jesus, guys. Just her and this Lord of hers. And it had to be an amazing first night on that Christmas night with Jesus. And it had to be amazing when that sun rose on that second day and she woke up with the Son of God. And it had to be an amazing first year. And it had to be an amazing second and third and seven and eighth year. But look at this first night in Luke chapter 2, verse 18. There we are again in the manger on Christmas night. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But remember Mary, remember how in awe she was of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 19 says, but Mary, she just sat there in that manger, holding the Son of God, treasuring up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Like, it's the Son of God. He saved me. Like, he's here. He's Lord. Look at verse 40. The next morning they left, and Mary, Mary and the family went on quite a journey. They end up back in their hometown village. And verse 40 tells us a little bit about what happens. And the child grew. Jesus, taking the full human journey, he grew in stature. He grew taller. He grew stronger. But he grew in wisdom. And he became strong. The Bible says that he was filled with wisdom. As the Holy Spirit imparted wisdom onto him and a covering onto him. And the Bible says that the favor of God was upon him. And if you've ever, you've ever known the favor of the Lord, it's like no matter where you go, you got that Midas touch. People just start saying yes to you and people start blessing you and, and doors start opening. This was, this was the life of the child of God. This was the life of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It's amazing. And, and I don't know about you, but raising kids is hard. Maybe it was easy in your family. But um, Mary and Joseph, they had at least six kids. You may not know this. Uh, probably eight kids. Four boys, no doubt, and at least two girls in the scriptures. Matthew tells us that. And it's amazing. I can't imagine raising all these kids. And, and those kids were normal kids, so they were brats at times. Amen? It's okay. They're in there. It's okay. We can say it. Sometimes they're a little bratty. But then you got this one who's got the favor of the Lord. Like you just can't say no to him. Like you just bless him. And you, that was what it was like being in the home with the Son of God. And so he grows up in verse 40 in that home. And, and I can't imagine what it was like. But I want you to fast forward. And now Christ is 12. He's 12 years old in the scripture. And what you, gotta, what you gotta know about Mary and Joseph is that life began to pick up speed. Life 
began to pick up anxieties. You see, there weren't kids anymore. They were in adult life now. And all of a sudden, one day as they were raising their family, I don't know if they got an alert on their cell phone or what happened, guys. But the yearly celebration of the Passover was in just a few days. And it was a yearly uh, celebration that I want you to see in your mind. And the kids knew it, and it was, a, it was a, think of a Christmas market or something with great festivities. And, and they, would, they would pack their bags, and, and the family would get together, and all the kids would have a break from school. And Joseph would have some time off from work, and, and homeschooling would end, and all that cool stuff. And they would just pack it up, and they would get the cousins together, and the second cousins, and the third cousins, and the grandparents. And they would travel in this big caravan to Jerusalem to this big festival called the Passover. And if you can think about the buzz in the kids, like the night before they didn't sleep because they realized like, I packed my bags tonight, Dad. Like we're going on the trip. We're going to the Passover festival. There was this excitement going on. And, and I could just imagine the joy of that. Now, they, there's, there's some things you got to know. Let me teach you the Bible here. Let me, let me allow the Bible to come alive into your minds this morning. It was a seven-day Festival. It was a seven-day party, but you only had to attend for three days. So like any young family, Mary and Joseph tell the kids, we're only staying three days, and you're getting your butt back to school. So they pack up, and they take off. Now, look up here. You can't miss this detail, or you'll miss the story of the Scripture. What would happen is... All the ladies would travel in one group, like Grandma and Mary and the cousins and the, and, and the nieces. All the women would travel in one group. And then all the dudes, all the men, they would travel in their own group. And guess who the responsible group was in which the children would travel with? Come on, ladies. I got your back right now. Yeah, yeah. They would travel with the women. The children would travel with the women. Now, Christ is 12 years old, and in order for him to become an official man in Jewish law, he's got to go to this festival and enter the temple as a 12-year-old boy, and then on his way home, he'll become an official man in Jewish culture. So on the way there, he's with Mary, he's with the women. Now, this is going to get a little funky because on the way home, he's supposed to be with Joseph and his parents lose him. <laughs> it happens. Can I? Okay, parents, look up here. It happens. All right. Now, if you've ever thought you're failing as a parent, have you ever lost a kid for three days? Now, maybe three hours. Walmart, it happens. They, they lose a kid for three days. So feel better about yourself this morning, okay? But let's open the story here. Verse 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem. So there they go. Envision the, the caravan of women and the caravan of guys. And, you know, cousins and uncles, they're all traveling together. Every year they did this. And it's called the Feast of the Passover. And verse 42 says, And when Jesus was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom. So... Envision being in this grand caravan. If you're a woman, stay with the women and, and the guy. If you're a guy, stay with the guys. And I want you to see Jerusalem, and I want you to begin to hear the music. 
and the kids are they're clapping and, and they're dancing and you start to smell the food wafting and, and moving through the air and, and maybe you enter the, the, one of the gates of Jerusalem and you start to see the jugglers and the dancers and music is playing and, and there's all these people and you're, you're cruising through the crowd and it's this very exciting vibe that's going on. Verse 43. Here's what the Bible says. And when the feast was ended... So after the third day, it actually went on for seven days, but after the third day, you could leave. How many of you guys know that things always happen on the third day in the Bible? And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. So there's Mary. She's rallying her kids. She goes, we got to go. We got to go. Joseph, get the adults. Get the guys. We're out of here. School's starting. We're going back home. And they leave Jerusalem and all the women are moving and all the men are moving. But I think Joseph, and dads, you got you to back me right here. We do these things. I think Joseph probably thought that Mary had Jesus. And because he's coming back now as a 12-year-old man, I think Mary thought Joseph had Jesus. And so there was this crazy mix-up and they traveled for a whole day and all of a sudden Mary goes like this. You know, she gets that, that mother's intuition. She goes... Head count. You know, some of you guys can't drive cars anymore. You drive large vehicles because you have large families. You know what the head count is. You're like, one, two, three, four, four. we got a problem. <laughs> I'm one short right now. And so Mary probably realizes Jesus is not around. And so she starts to panic. She starts to panic. Verse 44. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey but then they begin to search for him among the relatives and acquaintances. So she's going to ants like, is Jesus back here? This is a big family. This is a big caravan. Is Jesus back here? No, I haven't seen Jesus. Where's Jesus? I think she finally just breaks rank and she just goes, I don't care. I, I need to go talk to the guys. I think she goes back to the men's caravan. She goes, where's Joseph at? Do you have Jesus? Who's got Jesus? How many of you guys know that when life picks up speed, and anxiety sets in, and the schedule's tight, and the mind is full of things. How many of you know that you can lose Jesus? I'm talking to someone online right now. How many of you know, I'm speaking from a pastor's life right now. I, I have had these times in my life, guys, when I read my Bible out of a ritual because my mind's moving so fast and it can happen even in COVID as we're trying to navigate through things that I can go through my rhythms, my crazy life for a whole 24 hours and I realize I ain't prayed an ounce or thought about Jesus today. But like a mother's intuition, I believe it was more that was going on in Mary's heart than just a mother's intuition. I believe the Holy Spirit of God pricked her heart and said, Mary, you're missing something right now. You can feel it. Because even though he's 12, when you're in his presence, you feel something in your soul. And so she begins to run around run and find Joseph. And verse 45 says, and when they did not find him. So the, the uncles, the grandparents, they're like, he ain't here. They stop the caravan and they return to Jerusalem and they begin to search all through Jerusalem. Some of you guys have been in that city to look for Jesus. Verse 46, after three days, it's not a big city. 
But they looked for three days. Finally, they found him in the temple. I don't think they thought a 12-year-old should be in the temple. But see, the longer you walk with Jesus, the longer you're around Jesus, you can become over-familiar towards Jesus. And, and that's what happens to Mary in this story. He, he just becomes her son. And sometimes, guys, we walk with Jesus so long that, that we forget that he is still Lord of Lords. He's still master and we're still servant. He's still omnipotent. He's, he's still God. He's still grandiose. He's still amazingly powerful. And so she didn't think that he would be in the temple. But that's the, that's the first place she should have looked. He is the Lamb of God. He has come to our world to die for our sins. That is the very place, the temple, where the lamb was sacrificed for the sins of the world. Of course, the lamb of God is going to be in the temple, Mary. But you see, when, get, when things get crazy, when things get hectic in our minds, we can forget who this Lord is. And we can lose him in the hustle. And I love what 46 says they found him in the temple. I think they looked everywhere. And finally, they see these rabbis gathered around teaching this crowd of people. And something's really weird about the scene. And so I think Mary and Joseph start pushing through the crowd. They're exhausted and they're irritable. Any parents with me on this? And they realize they're talking to a kid. The rabbis are talking to a kid. And it says that Jesus is sitting among the teachers. And he's listening to them. And he's asking them questions. And all who heard it were amazed at his understanding and at his answers. So Mary and Joseph aren't playing. They don't care about the Son of God thing right now. Homeschool is starting late now. Joseph is going to miss three days of work right now. They're going to lose a little money. And when life gets moving, you forget about the spiritual. And so they peer into this crowd. They push the way into this crowd. And they're not impressed with their son. And I love it because the rabbis are like, well, you know, in Leviticus 3, and Jesus goes, I know that's not what it means. And the rabbis are like, who's the kid? Anyway, in Leviticus 3, and Jesus is like, that's not what it says. You know how annoying that would be? That's not what that means. Look at chapter 4, verse 3. Okay, that's what it means. And pretty soon everyone started realizing there's something special about this child except for his own parents. Verse 48, and when his parents saw him, they were astonished. I would like to tell you they were astonished at his wisdom. I would like to tell you they were astonished that he had these answers that even the religious people didn't have. I'd like, you, I'd like to tell you that they were astonished because they realized that they were raising the Son of God. But it wasn't that either. They were astonished that, that Jesus had done this to their schedule. And his mother said to him in the middle of a class, son, and that is not endearment, my friends, that is authority. You better remember who your mother is. Why have you treated us so? Behold, now angels say behold. Mary ain't playing. You know, when moms, you, you moms do this. When you're not playing, we know it. And if you notice, Joseph keeps his mouth shut through this whole narrative. I've been there. She says, behold, your father and I, you know, Joseph is just sitting in the background like, this is about to get crazy. I'm not saying a word. 
Your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And so I stop right here. And as your pastor, I tell you guys that Mary is rebuking the Son of God and she forgot who the Son of God is and she lost the presence of the Son of God because the rush makes you irrational. The rush makes you irrational. All of this rushing around and all of this stress fills the head with so much. But what Mary needs and what you and I need going into a new year is for the soul to be filled with so much of God. And really, the lesson here is, Mary, you need to be less focused in cutting this festival short and getting back on the third day. And you need to sit at the feet of God and you need to fill up your soul, Mary. You can learn a thing or two from your son. The greatest need you have during this time is a healthy soul. And put down that schedule and put down those distractions and sit down and let God fill you again. What a powerful testimony that is. And that's been my aim, guys. And as your pastor, this is my aim for the church. It's been a hectic year, but I don't, want to, I don't want us to be like Mary. I don't want three days to go by and we go like this. Man, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? I've walked for three days and I've tried to put my life together and I've tried to put my family together. and I realize I haven't spoken a word to him. I didn't even realize he, he wasn't here. And then at times what we can do with this anxiety is after walking away from him, praise God for his faithfulness that he will never leave us. We can get irrational towards him when things go wrong. Where were you? And I love the grace of Jesus here. Look, look at him. <laughs> Just look at how he lives. He is the master of his time at 12. And if you see the contrast with Mary and all the chaos in her head, all the franticness of the schedule, all the worry, is she going to get home in time? And she bursts on the scene and begins to rebuke the Son of God for getting who he is. Jesus sits there, ruthlessly wrenching chaos out of his life. 2.49, and he said to them, just with this stillness and with this peace, why were you looking for me? You know, if I'm in the crowd right there, I'm just backing off right there. Like, did you just hear what he said to his mom? Imagine your, your son being gone for three days and you finally find him and you're just like Darth Vader. You're just like, and he goes, why were you looking for me? What did you say to me? About to whoop that butt. Why were you looking for me? But really, it's a message of, of grace. And it's a message of focus to his mother and all, all who are listening. And it's a message for us. Jesus says these words that have been so important over the last 24 hours to my life. Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And I believe what Jesus is saying there, and he's saying it to us, 
before we frantically move into a new year. I believe Jesus is looking at that woman that he cared so much about. And I believe he is saying, do you not know that you are more than movements? You are more than news feeds. You are more than schedule. You are more than school. All these things are good, but you are soul. And your year, the outcome of your year will depend on the health of your soul. Mary, how is your soul? You don't have to get back. You don't have to rush back and cut this thing short. What you should have done, Mom, is you should have stayed here the full seven days. And you, you should have spent the last four days with me basking in the presence of God. Because that trip back, yeah, you would have lost a little time. And you could have lost a little FOMO things. But you would have gained God. What you need is you need to fill up in God. And I believe what Jesus is saying. I felt like he said it so clearly to me this week is where else would a child be but in his father's house? Mary, are you a child of God? Then where else should you be found but in the father's house? That's the most important thing you can do. And so I encourage us as well, before we enter a new year, a lot's going to come at us. But we cannot lose the presence of Christ because we are more than this chaos. We are soul. And if you're here and you're a child of God, where else should a child of God be than in his father's house? Amen? So what we need to do as 2021 comes upon us is put ourselves in places that allow us to receive God's help and restore our soul. I am dedicating my time to my soul this year because I'm only as good as my experience with my God. And I'm only as good to you as my experience with God. And you are only as good to each other as your experience with God. So giving Jesus our time as another year approaches, is not just another thing to add to the list. It's the very thing that refills life. And I love this lady so much. She's so teachable. And I love Jesus' grace for her to catch the lesson. Mary, before you jump back into life, would you make your number one priority to be with God? Look at verse 50 and 51. Look at how it ends. And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. Which is to say that many of them who were actually looking for Jesus when he said, I'm a child of my father. The first place I should be is in my father's house. A lot of them just went like this. Okay, that's not a very Bible-ish, but we don't care. Get your butt in the, in, the, in, the, in the van and let's go. But there she is again. Like in the back of that manger. When everyone was buzzing. And she hit reset. She does it again. And he, he, went, he went down with them. He left. He's got to remain perfect as the son of God. So he listened. He got back into that caravan. And he came to Nazareth. And he was submissive to them. But look at Mary. 
and his mother. Oh, his mother. Same words as the Christmas story. Treasured up all these things in her heart. She hit reset on a very frantic life of doing great things like raising kids and taking them to soccer practice and going to work and all the rest that life throws at us. She hit reset. And I declare to you that while people will gladly manage your time for you, most will not understand your devotion to God. But you need it. We are here to make room in our souls for the God we love. Clearing out the debris before a new day and a new year comes so we can experience so much more of him. So I pray as a church family and all of those watching online that we could say with the Lord, where else would God's child be but in his father's house? Amen. Let's pray. And may we call this Sunday a rededication Sunday. It's been a hard year. Many distractions have been thrown at us. But I I wonder sometimes, friends, if distractions will ever end. COVID, no COVID. I wonder if this, this whole thing is really about just getting really hungry for God. For the scripture says that he's better than life. When, when he comes upon you in that sweet time of prayer in the morning, when you crack the Bible and begin to read, and that verse jumps out, it's better than life. When you gather in your father's house, when you hear songs bathe you in the presence of God, when you hear scripture preached, and it's like your mind is awakened, this is the greatest thing. Our fellowship with God must go back to the top. Before this this year leaps upon us, Would you pray right now for the wisdom before this new year comes to reorder your ways, to let God touch your heart as much as we touch a cell phone. And maybe you even begin a schedule now. You say, I I may not even understand much of the Bible, but I'm going to begin to read it. I may not know how to pray well, But I'm just going to spend a few minutes every day just talking to God. I know these save a seats go fast. But if I'm a child of God, where else would I be than in my father's house? Lord, help me. Would this be your prayer? Lord, help me with new rhythms. I want to know you this year. Everybody praying that. I want to know you this year. For the steadfast love of the Lord is better than life. 
and be encouraged that we will, like Mary, forget where we left the Lord. But he's the great pursuer. He will always draw you back. It may take one day. It may take three days. But he loves you. And he will always draw you back. And with grace, reteach you again to reorder your days. But I pray, Lord Jesus, over these precious people, that with all that has come at us, that we would grow in our hunger for you. Holy Spirit, give us, give us a new appetite for spiritual things. May opening the Bible be like walking into the gate of an orchard with low-hanging fruit of joy and peace and love. May the church be so sweet to us. Holy Spirit, may you make us sensitive to your voice again. And may this year be a spiritual walk like no other. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. If this was your first time joining us online, please head over to the contact us portion of our website and say hi. We would love to meet you. If you'd like someone from our church to pray for you, please shoot us an email at prayer at frontlinecommunity.org. If you feel led to contribute financially to this ministry, please visit frontlinecommunity.org forward slash give or email giving at frontlinecommunity.org. Please feel free to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on and rate our podcast. We hope that you were blessed today and we'll see you next week.